Can you hear me okay? Ah, good. So I said happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Thank you. Same to you. All right. We have a gift for all our moms. It's um, a a chocolate bar because women love chocolate. That's what I hear. And um, I want you to know, moms, there are no calories in this because today is Mother's Day. And uh, we have a coupon on here for you. And it says, uh, Mother's Day coupon, redeem this coupon for one night of doing dishes. And uh, that doesn't mean you get to do dishes. <laughs> uh, I think that the, this is what we wanted you to do. We wanted you to take that and present this to anybody in your house and make them do the dishes with that coupon. You can just say, I've got a coupon. And Pastor, Pastor Allen said so. And there's no, there's no, uh, there's no limit on this coupon, so you can use it for the rest of the year. <laughs> no expiration date. So make sure, ladies, you get your Mother's Day chocolate bar. And I think there's enough for all the ladies this morning. So today we're talking about, uh, actually, mothers, but we are continuing in our series called Why Can't We Be Friends? And over the past few weeks, we've been talking about some of the tools that are in our relationship toolbox. In order to have great relationships, we said first, the first tool you need is to learn how to put others first. So putting others first is the, is the first and most important tool in your toolbox. If you learn to do that, you will find that people will like to be with you. They will enjoy your company. And then last week, we talked about caring for others. So you're not just putting others first, you are actually going out of your way to take care of people. You're caring for them. Again, people who care for others are people who have no shortage of friends. What I want to talk about today is inspiring others. This is a really a critical tool. You want to learn what it is that causes breakdown, a breakdown in your relationship with your spouse a relationship with your kids, relationship with friends, people at work. I'm going to tell you that for so many of us, rather than inspiring the people around us, rather than inspiring our spouse or our children or our workmates, we do quite the opposite. We discourage. We dishearten. We criticize. We complain. We put them down. We hurt their feelings. If you're a mom or a parent and are wondering why your kids maybe are distant from you or maybe avoiding you, your kids probably aren't feeling the love. And the way that you're going to make them feel that love is by making sure that you're the kind of person who inspires them. I'm going to talk about that more in just a few moments. For those of you who are not mothers, and you're not feeling connected to people, and you're finding that people don't enjoy your company, don't want to be around you, or maybe avoid you, could it be? Could it be that the reason is that you're not the kind of person who breathes life into them? There are really two kinds of people. There's those who inspire us and build us up, give us hope, and there are those who are negative. They discourage, they dishearten, they make us feel lousy. I wonder this morning what kind of a person you are. What kind of a mother are you? What kind of a spouse are you? What kind of a friend are you? What kind of a workmate are you? Are you the kind of, are you the kind of person who repels people? Are you the kind of person that people are naturally uh, attracted to? 
We ask the question, why can't we be friends? Could it be that the reason you can't be friends is because you're the kind of person who tears people apart, who hurts people? You're the kind of person who gossips, complains, and whines. You don't breathe life into people. You suck the life out of them. I want to just stop for a moment and consider what that word inspire means. The word inspire, according to the dictionary, is to fill someone with the urge or ability to do or feel something, especially to do something creative. And if we look at the root of the word, where that word came from, that word inspire, we discover that it means to breathe in air or literally to give life. It's what happened on the day that God created mankind. The Bible says that God breathed air, breathed his air into Adam, and it brought Adam to life. Now, that is probably the best description of what I'm trying to talk about today. You and I need to be the kind of people who breathe life into the people around us. We're the kind of people who give life to our kids, our spouse, our workmates. I want to say this to you today, and I think it's something we all know, we all could agree on, and that's that we all need inspiration. There's not one of us here today that could say, you know, I don't need that. The fact is we do. Life is difficult. Life is really difficult. We all have difficult things we have to do every day. I want to draw your attention to the Apostle Paul in the second book of Timothy, a second letter to Timothy. Timothy was his protege. And Paul was sending Timothy to a city called Ephesus. I've been to that place. It's in modern-day Turkey. But there was a church there that really desperately needed leadership, needed somebody to go in there and to preach and to teach and evangelize and to train up leaders. Paul needed, uh, needed Timothy to go in there and, and fight the heresies. He needed to go in there and instruct people who were younger and people who were older. And to make things difficult, Timothy, so it seems, was a timid kind of guy. He was a little bit fearful. Very conscious of the fact that he was a young man. Very conscious of the fact that the people that he was going to lead and going to minister to were people who were older than him. And so he was timid and fearful. He had been given a really tough assignment by the Apostle Paul, but the Apostle Paul knew that he could do it. Timothy really, really needed some solid inspiration. Now, I'm going to talk to you uh, in just a few moments about what the Apostle Paul said to Timothy to help him, to encourage him, to inspire him. But I want you to stop for a moment and think about the people in your life right now, your children, your workmates, your spouse, and I want you to stop and think about life from their perspective. Now, stop for a moment and think about this, because so many of us never, ever think about other people and what they're going through. We always think about ourselves and what we're going through. And that's because we're in the the habit of putting ourselves first. That's why when we started this series, I had to remind everybody that the very first tool in the toolbox in having great relationships is putting others first. But we often will think of ourselves first and our own problems and our own struggles, our own difficulties, our own fears and worries, etc., etc., and we don't think about others. And so, so imagine this, two people full of their own problems and difficulties and struggles, 
trying to relate, trying to connect. And that's why I say it's a miracle that any two people can stay together for any length of time. That two people could actually be friends for any length of time or be married for any length of time because we're all so self-centered. By the way, Gloria's mom and dad are in the service today and we just uh, celebrated their 50th anniversary. Can we just give them a round of applause? And if ever there were people who thought of the feelings of others, it's, it's mom and dad housing. They are in the habit of thinking about others first. Moms and dads, think about your children for a moment. I mean, when you went to school, it was difficult. Guess what? It hasn't gotten easier. Your kids are going to school, and they are experiencing all the pressures of school that you and I experienced. They've got their assignments that are due. They, they are struggling, maybe in, academically. Uh, there is just the regular pressure of going to school every day, getting up early in the morning, and, and on and on it goes. That's, that's stressful. It's stressful as it is for you to go to work every day. Your kids are facing uh, perhaps some lousy teachers. I'm not saying all the teachers are lousy, but there'll be one or two that are difficult. They're facing the kind of peer pressure that you faced, and in some respects, even more difficult than what you faced. And if your kids are Christians and you're trying to teach them to be Christians and you're trying to raise them as Christians, well, guess what? That adds a whole new layer of stress to their life because now these Christian kids who are trying to grow up with a Christian culture are now battling the culture that you and I are struggling in. It's tough. And they've got all the temptations that you experienced when you were their age. And if the kids are a little bit older, there's the angst of the boyfriends and the girlfriends and, and the fights that go along with that. I don't know if anybody saw that video that was going, it was a viral, uh, it was a YouTube video clip. And it was, I just saw it on CNN. And it's two girls having a fight, scrapping it out. And I, I think girls fight way more than boys do. I mean, these girls were pulling each other's hair, everybody's screaming and shouting, and then finally she picks a shovel and up a shovel and whacks the other girl in the head. The girl goes flying. Now, that, if that's not shocking enough, here's what's even more shocking, is that all the friends that were gathered around all have their cameras out video, videoing this thing. And then somebody thinks, oh... A girl getting hit in the head with a shovel. This would be fun to put on YouTube. Folks, this is happening all the time. This is a tough world we're raising our kids in. So here's the thing. When your kids come home from school, and when they go to school in the morning, guess what they need from mom and dad? They need to be inspired. They need their mom and dad to breathe life into them. And here's what we're so often guilty of doing, yelling at the kids, scolding them, telling them they're stupid, telling them they're lazy, they'll never mount anything. Can I just tell you that if you want to motivate your kids, telling them that they're stupid and never will amount to anything is not the way to motivate them. In fact, you'll probably get more of the same. What your kids need is to have you come along and breathe life into them. And it's not just the kids that are experiencing tremendous stress and need life breathed into them. 
We adults need it as well, don't we? Think of the people that you work with every day. They've got all kinds of pressures. Pressures with the boss, pressures with other workmates, people who are lazy and don't want you to work faster or harder than them because it makes them look bad. Office and workplace politics. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. You've experienced the politics. Difficult clients to deal with. Remember Jesse telling me the horror stories when he'd come home from Rona at the end of the day. I can say this because he doesn't work there anymore. He's talking to a customer. Customer's asking him questions. He's deep in dialogue. They're discussing, you know, a plumbing piece. And someone comes along and seems to be blind to the customer that Jesse's talking to and interrupts and says, can you tell me where this is and where do I get that and what's the other thing? And Jesse's saying, well, let me just finish with this one and then I'll get to you. Now, I think that makes sense to all of us, right? We're, anybody who's got, you know, just average intelligence, average IQ can understand this. But somehow when people go to Rona, they seem to check their IQs at the door and suddenly become very retarded. And not just at Rona. Has anybody ever been to Superstore? We won't, we won't go there. I mean, we really won't go there. <laughs> I'm telling you, you're working with people that desperately need to be inspired. Desperately need someone to breathe life into them. The fact of the matter is, is that we're, we're all, all of us dealing with what is called a difficult life. Some of us are dealing with illnesses, some marriage problems, some problems with your kids. Some are experiencing terrible financial pressure and stress. In fact, it wakes you up at night. Or if you do wake up at night, you start thinking about it. Some of you are dealing with the, with the stress and the guilt of having made stupid mistakes. And the last thing you need is for someone to come along and tell you how stupid you are. You already know how stupid you are. And so, to add to the fact that you made a stupid mistake, now you loathe yourself and you've got depression. Man, we are living in a world that desperately needs to be inspired. So whether you're a mother or not this morning, the fact of the matter is, is that we all need to learn what it means to be in the habit of inspiring the people around us, especially if you and I are Christians. Now, let me tell you how to inspire people. There's some very simple techniques that will help you in the process of being an inspirational kind of mom, an inspirational kind of parent, an inspirational kind of spouse. I was in Bible school in 1981, and there's a Chinese fellow, his name is Calvin Chen. He was going through a really difficult time, and I, I couldn't quite make out what the problem was, but uh, he seemed to indicate that it was, you know, his own making, and he, he got himself into this mess, and how was he going to get out of it, and very stressed out. So uh, I, trying to be a helpful Christian brother, thought I would, you know, offer a few words of encouragement to him, and I just started saying, you know, you, you just got to let go and let God 
and I, you know, you're going to be all right, and things are going to be better tomorrow, and tomorrow's another day, you know, that kind of stuff. He turned to me, and he says, can you just, can you just skip the platitudes, please? So I looked up the word platitudes, and I discovered that basically they're true statements but tend to be trite and very impersonal. Now, isn't that often the way we deal with people who are struggling? We give them a few platitudes or throw a few scripture verses at them, right? I can do all things through Christ. It gives me strength. Anybody had anyone say that to you? Don't put your hand up. Or, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Or, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. And you'll direct your paths. We turn scripture verses into trite platitudes. Now, don't anybody go away from here saying, Pastor Allen doesn't believe in the scriptures and in the promises of the word. Pastor Allen doesn't believe in applying scripture to the difficulties of life. That's not what I'm saying. The problem is this, is that rather than inspiring people, we hope that if we say a few trite, kind words, they'll go away and leave us alone. Hello. What God has called us to do is to inspire people, to breathe life into them. And so we look to the Apostle Paul, who is a genius at inspiring people. And what we find the Apostle Paul doing is not just throwing trite phrases and platitudes at young Timothy, who's going on this very difficult assignment. We find the Apostle Paul actually takes an interest in Timothy's life thinking about who Timothy is and what kind of things that Timothy would deal with. Now, this is critical because so many of us, rather than really caring about people and taking an interest in people, we rather dismiss them because the last thing we need is to have people add to the pressure we're already going through ourselves. Let me just throw this in here before I go a step further. Do you know that God has a mysterious and miraculous way of helping us in our need when we help others first. This is one of the great biblical truths. It goes against our logic and understanding, but it's absolutely how God works. So again, let's get back to Paul. What Paul does is he gets Timothy to focus. And sometimes that's all we need, isn't it? In the pressures of life. We need someone to come along and help us to get perspective, to help us get focused. And that's exactly what Paul does. He reminds Timothy that God's sovereign, God's in charge. He reminds Timothy that God's help is always nearby. He gets Timothy to focus on God. Let's take a look at these verses. Here's what Paul, the very words that Paul says. He says to Timothy, Timothy, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. And then he says, this is why I remind you, next, please, next, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and of self-discipline. Now listen, we're going to break this down, unpack this in just a moment. But you need to see what Paul's doing. He's getting Timothy to focus on God. 
And I'm going to say this to you. With all your pressures, all your problems, all the stress, all the marriage problems, family problems, problems at work, you have someone who will help you through it. And it's God. This is your hope. This is what's going to get you through. Now, this is not a, a, a trite platitude. This is a reality. And the Apostle Paul says, let me help you see this for yourself. Fantastic. He inspires Timothy by reminding Timothy of the ones who have first inspired him. Look, go back to the next verse, please. He says, uh, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Now, what's Paul doing here? He's saying, Timothy, stop what you're doing and think for a moment. Where did you get your faith from? And why did you adopt that faith of your mother and your grandmother? Timothy, I'll tell you why you adopted your, your mother's faith and your grandmother's faith. It was because you saw that faith was real and that it made a difference. Last night, we celebrated 50 years of marriage for Pastor and Mrs. Housen, my, my mother and father-in-law. And I tell you, it was so inspiring to listen to them talk about God's faithfulness and how God, over 50 years, has helped them make it to the 50-year mark. It's quite a, quite a milestone. And they gave God the glory for all of that. And they talked about the way that God helped them through. As they were talking, I was thinking about the fantastic heritage that my children have. Not just on the housing side, but the Duncalf side as well. And as Jesse and I were driving home together in his car, I said to Jesse, Jesse, you have such a rich, rich heritage. Think about that for a moment. At least five generations on the Duncalf side, and, and I think at least five, maybe more, on the Housen side. This is your heritage. This is who you are. This is what you're rooted in. And look at how God has helped every generation along. Paul says to Timothy, think about your heritage. Now, it's interesting that Paul doesn't mention Timothy's dad. We know that Timothy's dad was a Greek. And that's all we know. That's all the Bible says in Acts chapter 16. Timothy's dad is a Greek, and that's all we know. No inspiration. In no way influenced his son. But these women of faith who put their faith in God inspired Timothy. And Paul says, before you, before you go any further, before you're, you, 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 you are worrying and biting your nails, think about this for a moment. The God who helped your grandmother and your mother will help you. And that's what I say to you today. Think about what God has done in your life. In fact, that's next, the next thing I want to point out to you. Paul inspires Timothy by reminding Timothy of his own faith. Now, I'm going to say this. I got saved when I was eight years old, and then I was filled with the Holy Spirit when I was about 11 or 12. And both experiences... These, both of these faith experiences were, for me, and still are, an anchoring place. It's a rock for me that I go back to time and time again. Those moments when I feel discouraged, when I feel that God is distant, those times when I feel, God, do you answer prayer? Do you hear my prayers? In the, in the, in the midst of the difficulties and the struggles of life, 
I find myself going back to that day when I gave my heart to Jesus. And I remember how God touched me. I remember the weight, the heavy weight of guilt and shame lifting from my shoulders and feeling the freedom that comes from being a brand new creation. I think of, I think of the Holy Spirit coming upon me. I still remember the, the fire that went through me. And I think back to that moment when God met me so powerfully, so mightily. And I know that I know that I know it's real. And I know that the God who touched me as a child is a God who will continue to help me and strengthen me and bless me today. This is how you inspire people. Do you remember when God first touched you, made a difference in your life? The God who made a difference in your life when you first got saved is still the God at work at you and he still will help you. That's breathing life into us. Paul goes on to inspire Timothy by reminding him of the gifts that God has given him. In this case, it was a gift to lead God's church. But here's what I know, folks. God is faithful. He will help you with whatever it is that you're going through. And you just need to be reminded of that today. God is faithful. He will provide for you. He will meet your every need. You don't have to worry about a thing. How many times I thought of the ways that God has provided for us. I was thinking recently, and you've heard me share this before. When Gloria and I were in Greece together, she was ex- pregnant, expecting Jesse. And the, remember, it's Greece. The banks are on strike. Money's not coming to us. We went for a whole period of six weeks without any money. And we, I mean, I tell you, we weren't making enough to put money in the bank. So there was no money to save. We're living on $600 a month. And I remember saying to the Lord, God, where are you? (laughs) My wife needs to eat. She's got a little baby inside of her. Gloria, you'll remember this so well. And suddenly, we get a knock at our door. It's our neighbor, lady, Margarita. And she's got a dish plate of food. And she says, uh, this is for you and for the baby. Uh, I guess not for me. (laughs) See, when you pray, you have to be more specific. Don't just mention your wife and the baby. Mention yourself, too. Anyway, um, we discover that it is a Greek custom that when a woman is pregnant and she smells food that's cooking... She needs to eat that food so that the baby won't be damaged. I love that. (laughs) And I need to eat it too so that the kids won't be damaged. Anyway, this went on. This went on for days until finally our check came. And here's here's what we called Margarita then. We called her God's ravens. Because we read a story in the Old Testament about how God fed Elijah with the ravens. God provided for us. He met our needs. And here's what I want to say to everybody here today. If you've put your faith in God and you trust him, you don't need to be afraid. God loves you. He's not forgotten about you. And he will not let you down. My experience is this. Over, over 44 years of serving God and loving him with all my heart, is that God has not failed me even one time. Can I say it again? In case you didn't get that. I'm going to inspire you now. 
Over 44 years of putting my faith in Christ, God has not failed me even one time. He's never let me down. Paul goes on to inspire Timothy one, one more time. Verse 7, look what it says here. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. If you've put your faith in Christ, here's the wonderful news. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. You don't face this life in your own power or strength. That's what it says. But the power of God, of of love and of self-discipline resides in you. So whatever you're worried about today, whatever you're struggling about, and whatever you're imagining you're not going to be able to face, the Apostle Paul reminds us that you can face it. You can make it. You can deal with it. Not because he's given these trite platitudes, not because Paul said so, but because it's a reality. The Holy Spirit, who's not a spirit of fear and timidity, but, of power, the, but has within him the power of love and self-discipline. This is what is available to you and me. Now, after this little speech, don't you just know that the apostle Paul has told Timothy exactly what Timothy needed to hear. Timothy is revved up now, and he's ready to go. Bring it on. Bring on the tough assignments. I can do it. Now it's appropriate to say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You see, the focus is on God and his ability, not upon you or your ability. Because if it's left to me and my ability, folks, I am going to be a fearful, timid, stressful mess. But if I know I've got the power of God working within me, giving me the strength that I need, folks, I want you to know I can face anything. And now here's another platitude, because me and God, we're a majority. This is the truth. Now, you moms here today, maybe you're feeling, man, I'm not the kind of mother I should be. I'm not good enough. I've let my kids down. I'm struggling, whatever. Listen, I want to show you a video clip in just a moment. And hopefully, you'll get a a proper perspective. Because here's what I know about all of us. We're all pretty hard on ourselves. And moms can be really, really hard on themselves. But moms, I want you to know, whether you believe it or not or know it or not, your kids love you and they think the world of you. Let's take a look at this video clip and then we're going to close. 